Is it on? Yeah, looks like it. Right, hello and welcome to episode two of my first ever podcasting session. I'm Will Oliver and it is still Thursday the 26th of February. Um, This is falling on the same day as my first episode. Of course, the first episode was in the morning, this is now in the evening and today has been filled with continuous amounts of Google searches on how to make a good podcast or how to sound more natural on a podcast or anything involving the word podcast. There is a lot of stuff on the internet. You would be amazed. But anyway, um, I asked someone very quickly who listened to the first one and I said, what would you want me to talk about? And I'd already talked to them before about how I had the idea of starting a podcast and they thought one of my most interesting topics would be moving country. Now, anyone who does know me will know that about a year and a half ago to date, um, I moved from the UK to Belgium. Now, for most people, this would seem utterly insane because they would think, why on why in God's name would you go on to live in Belgium and Brussels for all of places? Why not in Brel or anything like that? Actually, I am half Belgian. I My family originates from Belgium, um, mainly the Brussels area. My mum was born in Brussels, correct me if I'm wrong. And so I have a major link here. And of course, I was looking for universities and a lot, I, I often have these conversations with people saying, well... You're looking to do musical and you've just come from England. Why didn't you look at stuff like Guildford, Central, Mountview, Artshead, la da 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 da. And with all truth, I did. I looked at every single one. Um, I auditioned for most of them. Uh, I definitely auditioned for Guildford. I auditioned for Central for two different courses. Uh, what was anyone? I, there was Guildford, yeah, Central. Uh, but then the other ones were outside of London. So they were the only two London ones. But the main reason why I'm sitting here and not there is dance, really. Um, I've never danced before in my life. Well, that's not true. I have danced in my life, but I do not consider myself a dancer in any way, shape or form. So, of course, in a lot of these places you walk in, um, they're very interested. Of course, they're always interested in the first people that walk in the door. And they say, so what have you done in your past? I've done this. I've sung this. I used to be in a choir. Da, 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 da. They get very interested. And then you say, well, what kind of dance do you have? And you always answer, none. And that was my response. And, of course, at which point they just said, well, whatever. We haven't got any time for that. And they send you packing. So I very quickly ran out of options in the UK and that's when actually thanks to my mother I found the course in Belgium and I thought it was very interesting I emailed the course leader and I was explaining to her that I've never danced before in my life Um, what's your approach to this and of course when I met her on the open door day she immediately said not a problem um, they've had people in the past that have never danced, so this was fine. And that's basically how I ended up in the school in Brussels. Um, I'm trying my best here not to give away too many details, uh, just for fear of privacy and all that. But that's how I came, how I ended up in Belgium. I did my audition here and I got in and I thought, you know what, after all this effort that I've put in for auditioning, if I do get in, I'm going to do it. And one thing that was very nice 
is I was told on the day that I got into the course, in the UK you kind of do these auditions and you have to wait about half your life, waiting, well, what feels like half your life in all respects, probably about three, four to six, three, four to six weeks, let's say. Um, but you found out on the day. Uh, normally it was a two-day program, um, but of course I could only make it to one day because I was coming all the way from the UK, so it was quite a lot of money to do the auditions. So I did it on the one day, um, and she told me, well, actually, we're very interested. Obviously, you can't dance for... I'm going to try and avoid swearing too much, but you can't dance for shit. And it's true. I, I, I can move. I can... If you teach me a dance, I can do it. I just want to do it very well. Um, I, I have about as much movement genes in me as a wooden spoon. But they were very interested in the voice, mainly because of my classical voice training in the back, background. For classical voice training in the back... No, classical voice training background. Like that. Um, but no, it, it was very interesting. Uh, I definitely took a lot from it, that audition. And so, yeah, like I've said about probably about four times in the last two minutes... That's how I ended up in Brussels. So, now to get on the main topic of actually moving countries, my experience about it. And I can honestly say, moving countries, moving to Belgium, is probably the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, I mean, if you talk to the people that knew me in my first year, I didn't enjoy it very much. I'm not going to lie, it was very difficult. It is very difficult to move countries. But then... Now I look back on it and I would do it every single time. Of course, there are things that I would do differently. Uh, one thing for certain is I would live slightly more in the centre of town. Um, actually, which is why I constantly have this little inkling to go on these real estate websites and find these wonderful little apartments. I found a wonderful loft located in the centre, which I would love to live in. Um, but of course, I've now invested so much in this apartment that I'm kind of half stuck here and also the centre of it's easy for me to stay here and not to rent a place somewhere else. But, no, moving countries is difficult and easy and difficult all in one go. It, it's interesting, it's annoying, it's painstaking, it's a lot of work, but it's very, very rewarding. I, when, when I found out that I was on the course, from that moment onwards, it was immediately like, okay, how in... God's name am I going to go about this because it's not really as simple as just packing up your bags and sending you on your way because of course I lived in the UK my parents lived in a different country somewhere else in Europe um, and then I was moving to a third country that I actually did have relatives in uh, my aunt and uncle and co they all live here uh, extended family live here which was a plus that was definitely a plus but, of course, I didn't want to live with any of them. I wanted to live on my own because also none of them lived in Bel in Brussels, even. <laughs> but I also the sense of I want to be independent. I mean, of course, I was sitting in a boarding school before. Uh, so I've had roommates. I've lived on my own. That's going to be another episode. I'm actually going to talk about the comparisons between living on your own and living with a roommate. Of course, this would be from a boarding school um, approach, not a kind of flat approach. That I think I would like to do with a guest, um, probably someone I know from the UK who does have experience of living with people. Um, that's also for future episodes. I mean, we're going to try experimenting with doing podcasts over Skype, over FaceTime. We'll see how it goes. Um, 
but no, to focus, I need to keep focused on the whole topic of moving. If you were to come up to me and say, how in God's name would I go about moving country? I would then look at you and go, oh, well, where are you moving to? Now, of course, Belgium is a very easy country to move to. It's not like I was moving to Outer Mongolia. I don't know Outer Mongolia, just as a side note. I, it might be very nice there. It might be very easy to move there. I just don't know. Um, but the advantage that I have is I knew where I was going. I had links here. It wasn't like I was moving to the middle of the Sahara Desert. So first up was, this is where I'm going to be going to school. I want to find a place that's close, easy, makes easy connections, not too far from the centre, but also I didn't want to live smack bang in the centre in a little room because I am living here 24-7, uh, seven days out of the week. I mean, of course, in the weekends I can occasionally go away, but most of the time I do live here. Um, this is my home in, in all respects and all of my stuff is here. So actually, whilst a lot of people are on what they call a got, so basically a room, um, I have a full apartment, which is what I was looking for. I mean, I did look at cots, but then to be realistic, I thought, well, I'm definitely going to be here for a year, if not four. So I wanted somewhere where I could be very, very comfortable and relaxed. And so the search for apartments started. I can tell you, Brussels is quite an old city, so of course you see everything new, old, renting, data, all the different options. It's difficult, um, because I'm someone, I've for the last five years of my life, I've always lived in a very new building, so I'm quite used to modern styling, so I wasn't really up for going into very old style places. Of course, the next place that I'd like to live, if for anyone that doesn't know me, I really want to live in a loft in my next place. Um, so of course that will probably not be particularly modern, but then of course there's a different difference because lofts is just, it's different than living in an old apartment. Um, and also the apartment search was also very difficult because I was doing it on one day. Uh, I went around town with my brother. I will always be forever grateful with my brother. We got up in the morning. Our first appointment was at 8am somewhere. And we basically trundled around this district in Brussels just to, f to see all of these apartments. It was appointments left, right and centre. I mean, um, our mother was actually in at home at the time making appointments over emails and then sending them through to me. So we've got an appointment with him, him and him and him at this time, this time. And we did a lot of walking. Um, I think if I had a pedometer, we probably would have done about 20,000 steps. Because also we didn't really understand the bus system, the metro system. It makes no sense. For anyone who hasn't been here, it is ridiculous. It's also like London, which makes zero sense to me. Although people who live in London understand it. And I now perfectly understand the bus system. It's just very complex. It goes everywhere. But we kind of gave up on taking buses everywhere, so we decided we would walk. So we did a tremendous amount of walking. And I am still forever grateful to my brother for the amount of walking that he did with me. And also being my vague translator, of course, I use the word vague because with no disrespect, Tom, who's my brother, no disrespect, but your French is not exactly the most amazing thing in the world. And he will admit that himself. Um, it's like my father says with my German. He says, oh, you can speak German. I can't. I really, I just can't. I mean, I, there's a difference between understanding a language and speaking it. For the same instance I have with French. I can understand a bit of French. I mean, in the last two years, it's got better. But I don't speak a word of it. And I don't know why. Um, I think it might have something to do with my dyslexia. 
But no, I don't speak a single word of French. So I had Tom as well to kind of vaguely translate things, ask very basic questions. But no, it was it was a very interesting day. We saw very different mix of apartments between renting and buying and stuff because I was looking at both options. And eventually at the end of the day, there was this one last apartment which I thought was on the market before and then it seemed it had been taken off and then we managed to find it again. And so finally we ended up organising with the estate agent to go see the apartment. And I walked in, I walked into the living room and I immediately fell in love. This, it's a one bedroom apartment. It's on the top floor, so I'm half in the roof. So in some respects, it's a bit lofty. Um, of course, it hasn't got the stuff like the beams and stuff, but it is quite lofty. It's it's gorgeous. It really is a very, very nice apartment. Of course, I, I think I will have to do that on a separate episode, the joys or the bane of buying your first apartment. Um, there have been difficulties with it. There are still difficulties with it. I mean, I'm still waiting on a new kitchen sink. Um, or I've... Well, actually, I've just had the whole apartment painted, which kind of helps a lot. But there have been a lot of issues in the past. But, no, overall, when I first saw the apartment, I immediately fell in love. I knew that I wanted to live here. Um, and I asked some questions of street noise and stuff, da-da-da-da-da. And no, that was all very easy. And so basically I decided, I think it was the very same evening that I decided I'm going to do this. I'm going to make an offer on this apartment. I offered the asking price because I thought I, I, re I really want this apartment because I know a lot of people, they go under the asking price. And I mean, looking back, I probably could have gone a little bit under, but there were other offers on the table and I was prepared to just offer what he was asking. So I did. And it went on from there. Um, the next step, of course, was in meeting my notary, getting the papers ready. Now, buying an apartment in Belgium, or buying a house in Belgium, buying any property in Belgium, if you talk to any Belgian person, they will tell you it is a pain. Because it takes about four months, four to six months, it depends. Four months, if you're very, very lucky. Six months, for standard, or probably about three and a half thousand years if you try and buy it over the summer, which is what I tried to do, which makes it increasingly difficult because everyone has to be on holiday on the day that you need them. The day that you're on holiday, they're not on holiday, which is very, very stressful. And I'm someone who gets very, very stressed at the littlest of things and I can get emotionally, not emotionally, irrationally angry about anything. I'm sure on a later episode when I start doing a bit more ranty stuff when I talk about airlines or something like this, I can very, very easily get very wound up about things. But no, it was it was very stressful trying to set up when were we going to get this apartment done because of course I was starting this search in July and I wanted the apartment in September. I was really, really pushing. So it went left, right and centre. Um, but of course I, I, I am going to get onto the other aspects of moving country, don't worry, but for the time being, I'm going to focus on the actual getting a place to live. But the, the main issue that we had was actually everything got organised. It was prepared to go. But of course, there were still things to be finished on the apartment, like the dishwasher didn't have a door or wasn't painted or this was broken, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So there was a list. 
Um, and then we were preparing just to ship all of my crap, in no other better word for it. I could say my stuff, but there was so much crap. Just ask my parents, they would just, they would agree. To move it all from the my parents' house to Belgium, we had everything ready in a trailer. We hired a trailer to drive it all the way, about 800 kilometer journey, it takes about eight hours roughly. And the day before, we were just loading up the trailer and we got a call saying, the apartment isn't ready, you can't move in. At which point, I think my heart fell through the floor um, because it was the major thing of the apartment's not ready, so you're not going to be able to sign today. We have to postpone for about two months or a month and a half, roughly. And, of course, when you're sitting there in your parking lot, ready to leave the next day with about two tonnes worth of furniture, sitting in a higher trailer, you suddenly think, well, what the am I meant to do with all of this stuff? But nevertheless, um, we left the following day for Belgium because we, we had to, because I had to start the course within four days later. So we decided we're just going to go for it and we will cross the bridge when we get there. Now, on the journey, we contacted different people and it turns out I had family in Brussels, my grandparents, uh, my grandfather, my grandmother has died for the record, both of them have, but my grandfather's living with a new partner and in her house, she happened to have a kind of separate bathroom and bedroom on the top floor and she said I could live with her for a month and a half. I'm also eternally, eternally grateful to this woman. Um, I'd say a shout out and thank you to her. Um, and if, for that, I will actually say thank you, thank you heel graag. Um, for those of you who don't realise I am speaking Flemish because she's a Flemish speaker, um, I'm sure in the future I will try and do a bit of episodes with English and Flemish, mix it up and kind of see, see how we go. But for the time being, I'm going to keep to English because it's a lot easier for me. Because I do speak fluently both languages, but English is, of course, my mother tongue. Anyway, back to the point, Will. I had a place to stay and, of course, that made my life a lot easier because... For the first time in my life, I actually, for about six hours, I thought I genuinely have not a single clue as to where I'm going to live. I had for six hours of my life, no one knew where I was going to go. I didn't know where I was going to go. My parents didn't know where I was going to go. Uh, the random frog down the road didn't know where I was going to go. I It was very stressful and also, not well stressful, but also emotionally draining because you... I'm one of these people, you start thinking about an idea and it spirals and you spiral, 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 and you just, you can't stop thinking about it. Um, but eventually, when, when it was said, you can live here, of course, I was, at first I was like, oh, I don't really want to live with my grandparents for a month and a half. But actually, I very quickly realised, actually, maybe this is best, Will, because it means you can settle, you can, you don't have to worry too much about things, you can save a bit of money for the first month, two months. So eventually I was very, very happy. We also found a place to leave all of my crap, all my furniture and extra stuff. We left it at a family relative, extended extended family. He, he owns a car garage, so we could leave it there, which I'm also very, very grateful to Herman. Uh, he owns an Opel garage, well, ex-Opel garage, but thank you well to you. Um, so it went very, very quickly. Uh, I'm going to kind of skip over the next few days because it's it's a bit dull. Stuff was sorted out, an apartment was sorted out, signed the papers for different things, but that was fine. So 
Actually, there isn't much to say more about, because now I'm just narrating my move to Belgium, and that's probably not very interesting. I think what I should talk about more now is actually the different aspects. A lot of things that people don't think about, which is what I didn't think about, which we we didn't really realise until I was in Belgium. And that was bank accounts and taxes and passports and identity cards. Actually, that's not true uh, before someone like my father or my brother reminds me. I did actually sort this out beforehand. It was in the planning. But stuff like an ID card. ID cards, it's... All of Europe uses ID cards apart from Belgium and maybe one or two other countries in the European Union. Especially England who don't have ID cards, they just stick with passports because they think that's better. But then again, the UK think a lot of things are better, which are not. But uh, an ID card is it's like a passport, but it's a card. It fits in your wallet. It's not this annoying little book that goes everywhere with you. Um, and with an ID card, they're electronic. So everything's stored on them. I can travel anywhere in Europe that I like. Anywhere in Europe that I like. Yeah, that's it, right. I can travel anywhere in Europe with this ID card. I just have to show it in its official form of identity. Which is brilliant because when you're travelling, you don't want to be lugging your passport around. Of course, I do need my passport for when I'm travelling outside the EU. Of course, places like Switzerland don't count because they're part of Schengen Agreement. So, anyway. So the ID card, that was sorted out. But of course... For that, you need to have official photos. You have to go to London to the embassy. Da 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 da. da. Bit difficult, but it was fine. I got it sorted out. And then bank accounts. Also, remember, if you know anybody in the country that you're moving to, just ask them what is the easiest bank. And of course, the person uh, where I was moving to, my grandfather, he used to work for the bank that I'm with now. I'm with KBC Bank in Belgium. He used to work for them. He used to. He was an architect for their bank branches. He would design the in, insides. So of course there was a slight bias, which is why I went for them because it was just the easiest option. There's, there's no point in trying to shoot yourself in the foot or anything because it, it's not worth it. So the bank was sorted out. The identity cards were sorted out. Of course, the identity card is linked to your taxes. All of this. Of course, I don't pay taxes. Um, because I'm a student, I have no form of income. I'm, if I do get a job, an official form of income, I will pay taxes. But at the moment, I'm exempt from taxes because I do not have an income. Um, more on this, well, I won't say more on this later, but I've also had problems with that in the past. That can go on another episode if people want to hear about it. But, yeah, so I mean, I'm just going to write down to myself what I've actually talked about before I just start talking back over myself. Um... I've done the apartment, I've done the bank, I've done the ID card. And what else? I mean, it's also getting to know the area that you're living in. I, I did this before and after I moved in. Because, so especially things like shopping, because in, in the UK, I was very used to just, oh, I've got Tesco, I've got uh, Waitrose, Asda, all these different things. Actually, where I lived in the UK, we got a brand new Sainsbury's, which was also very nice. But uh, I'm a Tesco's person. I've always been raised a Tesco's person. Don't ask me why. It's not any particular preference. It's just they happen to be the closest one to us where we lived. Um, but it was just a whole new idea because in Belgium, you have all the supermarkets are very, very different. You have the Les, which is where I shop the most, which is actually the most expensive of all the ones. It's like the Waitrose of all the shopping markets. Um, mainly because it's the quickest one from here. I can get there in about five minutes. Any other shopping centre, shopping, yeah, shopping centre or supermarket, I have to travel for about 15, 20 minutes. And it's, when you're carrying bags and lots of food, it's just not worth it, trust me. 
Um, so the layers are sorted out. You always have stuff like Carrefour, which is quite cheap. Um, and then you have other stuff like Kohlrad. I'm going to have to do another episode on Kohlrad. I think it's the most brilliant shop in existence. It's They've really they've done it very, very well. Um, and also other things that you scout around, like ATMs. That's the only other irritating thing about where I live is ATMs. I don't have ATMs near me. There is one near me. But it's in completely opposite direction. It's not when I go to the shops that I walk past it. It's not when I go to school. It's not... The only way that I would go past it is if I happen to be staying in the hotel on the other side of the crossroads. Of course, where I live, I live on a crossroad, which is possibly the most dangerous place that I've ever encountered in my life. You've got traffic coming from six different directions, up to three or four going in one time. It's scary. Um, Ask my girlfriend's well, sorry, my ex-girlfriend, or whatever, or friends that have visited me, it is, it, it's properly scary, because as a pedestrian, also there's a thing in Belgium, yes, you have a green light as a pedestrian, but you have to be aware, the traffic coming from your left-hand side, they still have green. Um, so also when you're sitting in traffic, turning right, it's like in the US, even when it's red, you can still go to the right, which is quite... Well, no, actually, no. When you've got red, you can't go to the right. It's If you're green a bit, you're turning to the right, you just have to be aware that they've got green. Pedestrians do have priority, but, of course, where I live, I, I the district that I live in is... I'm not going to do... I'm doing my absolute best here not to say anything that could put me in a pit of racism. But let's just say there are very bad drivers here. and I mean, insanely bad. The amount of times that I've even been killed by bus drivers or car drivers. It's insane. Um, so yeah, you, this junction is scary. It's, I, on multiple occasions I've thought, huh, why? But no, it's, it's interesting. So that also comes with the scouting ATMs and stuff. And so I'm actually now, I'm talking mostly materialistic, aren't I? I think other things to talk about would be like my phone, sorting out phone contracts. I'm one of these people that I'm glued to my phone. But actually not so much anymore. In the last coming months, I've been really, really apart from my phone. It's not like we're going through a bad breakup or anything. It's just that I'm trying to be as more social with people because I very quickly realised a phone is a barrier. A phone puts this invisible line between you and someone else. And... I do my absolute best to keep off it because I have, I've, my classmates have said to me in the past, well, you are far too much on your phone. And of course, there are now other people that are on the phone more than me. And I, ha- I do realise it is incredibly irritating. And for that, I am very, very sorry for the people. If ever you are talking to me and I'm on my phone, just, just say it to me. Will, get off your phone. It's irritating. Talk to me. Um, sorry. It is, I, I apologise. It is annoying. I do understand. But of course... Now, one thing though, if I am on my phone, it's usually because of something important. I'm usually getting emails to be technical support for somebody or because someone has decided to organise something when there are about six other events happening at the same time or something like that, which means I'm quite often, when I'm on my phone, it is for a good reason. It's not like I'm just on there for shits and giggles. Oh, I, sorry, that's the first time I've said that. Shits and giggles. It's the first time I've said that probably in about year and a half oh that feels very weird um of course one thing i must mention is i i 
90% of the time, well, actually, no, no, 98% of the time, I am speaking Flemish. I'm in my second language. So I don't speak a lot of English. I mean, the only English that I get is when I'm talking to my old friends in England. Well, old friends. I don't talk to many people, but also just TV shows and stuff like that. But mostly, I am in Flemish. So it's quite weird, actually, to be back to English. Quite often when I go back to see my parents, I, I, I fall over my words because I'm not particularly aware of what I'm saying because also in my brain it gets used to structuring everything in the Flemish and the Flemish they structure sentences very differently to how you would in English um, but that's I've once again gone off topic sorry um, I also have no idea what I was talking about I was talking about phones I know that but yeah talking uh, I was attached to my phone but now it's a lot less but yeah, that's another thing I sorted out. Phone contracts. Also, landline internet. I'm one of the people... I like internet. I really do. I like it for Netflix. I'm going to have to do another episode on Netflix because I think it's brilliant. I, I've always been against Netflix. My brother had it from very much in the beginning. But I've always been against it. And then when I got it, I love it. Trust me. I, it's brilliant. I share my account with a few people. Don't shoot me down, Netflix. I'm allowed. Profiles. Um, but... I did say profiles, by the way, not pedophiles or anything before you called me out on that. No, I... All of these things I sorted out were brilliantly. Now, here comes the most difficult part. Human interaction. Now, I will probably do another episode on this. I'm I'm quite a social person. I... I'm quite easy with conversations. But I really have issues with meeting new people. Now... I'm not going to officially diagnose myself with some sort of autism or Asperger's or anything because it's not my place to diagnose myself. And also, I, pr- I don't have that. I mean, I show tendencies of Asperger's and stuff like that, I've been told in the past. But I think actually for me, a lot of people, they always say, well, there's always the social aspect which is the most difficult. It's the meeting new people, getting used to the language. Because, of course, before this, I lived in the UK... And I wasn't used to speaking this language, which meant when I first came to Belgium, my Flemish was shocking. I mean, shocking. I was spending 60% of the day trying to speak English because I physically couldn't understand anything. Now, it is amazing. For anyone who's decided, I want to learn a new language, just move to the country that speaks it and just live there. Trust me, the, if you just throw yourself into the language, you will learn it so much quicker because... I'm sorry, Norton, these online learning things, they might be good, but they will never, 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 never be as good as the social interaction with the joss on the left, um, other people in your classmates. I'm not going to start calling people out from my class uh, in case they're listening. (laughs) But it's brilliant. And also, you learn so much more because you learn how different people react. A computer cannot tell you how certain people react. Like, I can tell you for sure, if you are ever in your life planning to move to Belgium, the Belgians can come across as very rude. But then again, you also come across as very rude coming from England, because the Belgians, they say what they think. If they think your top is very, uh, your top, your shirt is very ugly, they'll say it. They, privacy, privacy, they do respect your privacy, but they're just a lot more open about things. Of course... I'm saying this like Belgium is some sort of exception. They're probably not. I think a lot of other countries in Europe are like this. 
The problem is, it's the UK. The UK are the most socially bizarre country, closed up, pencil pushing, aggravating country that I've ever been to. And I'm not going to start ranting about this because I could I can save that for another episode because otherwise I'm going to bore you senseless. Because I'm looking at my laptop now and I've just hit the number 32, 32 minutes mark. I'm going to aim for about 45 minutes. I'm going to try and round it off in the next 10, 15 minutes. I'm sorry if I go over it. This might end up as an hour episode. I don't know. I also know that in about 20 minutes my phone's going to go off to remind me that my washing's done. So I will do my best here. And... So social interaction, meeting new people. Now, the first day at my school was you meet everyone. Now, of course, people might think, oh, my God, meeting everyone in your school. That must be scary. We exist. Our entire school, students and teachers are 50. Four years of students, plus all the teachers, 50, 55 people. It's not a big school, which is actually, in some respects, bad and good. Bad in the sense of you don't meet a lot of people, so you don't get the chance to meet tons of people but that's what's bad but in the good sense of I know everyone I really enjoy everyone at school well not everyone I mean there are probably about five to ten people that I despise and could gladly stab um but then of course but the majority of people for the record no one in my class in my year if you're listening from my year I love you all but there are people in other years that I would gladly like to stab with a pitchfork. Um, but I, it's a family. I really get on with all of these people. They're fantastic. It's, Belgium is a very social country. They, they also they include you. I remember the first day, I'm the English boy. Of course, everyone knew this. Oh, he's the English kid. Oh, is he from London? He's from Cambridge. No, I, I remember getting quite a lot of um, attention. Of course, I'm not the first international person there, which was probably a bit of an advantage. There's a girl in the year above me who comes from Greece. Um, I mean, I'm sure I'd love to hear from her at some point of her experiences of moving country, because, of course, it's very different for her. Because I'm moving to a country that I actually know about, or that I actually speak the language when she first came to Belgium. I don't think she spoke a word of the language. I have to check this with her. I'm not going to start accusing people of things. But the first day, I've never been so scared out of my wits in my life. But I very quickly realised... I originally came from a private school, so most people are quite snotty. Where I was now, the people... People are so friendly. I will never forget the first person. I think the first two people that I interacted with was a boy and a girl. Um, and I'll never forget for the way that they helped me. Because also they spoke English very well. And they, it was brilliant. We had our first information session. And then afterwards we all had to go into the centre of town to get papers done. So we decided, you know what? We're a class now. We're just going to do it all together. We were, we're a year that we didn't actually... A lot of people didn't know each other from the year before as opposed to the year below me now, they all know each other for the last three or four years. They've all been in classes together, or even in the last year. But we didn't know each other, but we said, we're going to go into the centre, we're going to get to the central building, we get the papers done, and then we're just going to go for a drink. Now, of course, in England, this means, oh, we're going to need to go for a piss-up. Our first heavy drinking session consisted of us all sitting around the table drinking hot chocolates because it was fucking freezing outside and pouring down with rain. Typical of... Belgium or the UK or anyone in Western Europe. Of course, not Spain and all that, but yeah. So, 
the very first day very quickly learned about these people and of course it was a struggle it was it's difficult i i think i could probably do an entire separate 40 minute episode about social interaction but i very quickly realized and i realize it a lot more now as i'm talking about it you have to take risks you can't if you're reserved, if you're the person... Also, that first day, I did my absolute hardest to never touch my phone. Because social talking to people is a lost art form. The idea of calling up someone on the phone, is it's fantastic. Because what anyone can tell you... When you write a, uh, a text, you can't fully Im- put down into words your emotions. For instance, sarcasm... Something that I seem to be fluent in. There are two things that I'm perfectly fluent in. Bullshit and sarcasm. Sarcasm cannot be put down into words. Of course, you you can make a snidey comment. Well, it's not snidey, but you can make a sarcastic comment. But you can never truly come over. And it's brilliant because I actually, I find it very fun to uh, make people believe things that aren't true. Like someone today, I convinced someone else of something. Oh, very, very, very sorry for that. Um, But... (laughs) sarcasm oh it's brilliant social just getting to know people you just talk ask them questions of course I was getting the majority of questions because one thing that I have realised about myself is I'm useless at conversation I am honestly the most pathetically useless person because someone will say hi Will how are you I'm fine thank you how are you brilliant what did you do yesterday? Oh, I went to the shops and tried to get my phone replaced. Da 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 da. And they ask you for questions. But I forget, I always forget to ask them the bloody question back. So it becomes a very one sided conversation. And that is one of my things for Lent. Just try and just work on it. I'm trying to be more social. If people from my class are listening to this, talk to me more. Please, I'm doing my utter burst to talk to people. But it's sometimes very difficult because also, yes, I am still speaking a second language. So occasionally it is a bit difficult. But of course, I do try my best. So, yeah, this first day of just talking to these new people, it was fantastic. Of course, I was shattered by the end of the day. Um, but it was all right. I, I, I got home and I sat behind my computer and I thought the first thing I wanted, I'm just going to play Sims. I'm just going to relax a bit. I didn't talk too much with my grandparents. I'm going to say grandparents just for ease of saying, but that Thursday was interesting. And then there's the first week and then the first month and all that. And these are all going to be, well, all of these things are going to be separate episodes. I think that will be my next podcast, talking about the first few weeks. I mean, that is all a part about moving country, but right now I'm just going to go up to the point of I've moved. I was then living somewhere else. I'd gone, in a space of two months, I went from living in a boarding school in southeast England to living in an apartment in Belgium, in Brussels, 800 miles away from my original country of origin. Well, country of origin was actually born. Side comment, not going to go down that route. But it's very, very different. Um, This... This moving country podcast is going to come back because I'm going to do it with someone who's moved from another country. I'm going to do it with someone who's moved from Hong Kong to the UK. People that know me, they know who I'm talking about. But I want to hear what they thought because it is difficult. Even moving 20 minutes down the road is difficult. 
because everything changes. It's the major difference, of course, is the change of language. I think is the hardest. I had the advantage that I spoke the other language. I think if I was moving to Milan or something, it'd be a whole different thing because Italian is. I don't speak Italian, for the record. I don't speak Spanish. I don't speak German. I don't speak Portuguese. Well, yeah, I don't speak Polish. I don't speak a lot of languages. I only speak English and Flemish. But my Flemish wasn't particularly brilliant at this point. But it was all right. I got by. So I can say, actually, within a month, I felt at home. I mean, now it's a year and a half later. I can't imagine ever leaving it. Of course, I think in probably about... I've, if I get through, for the record, if I get through... In two and a half years, I will be finished. And unless I've got a very, very certain idea of a job here, I will probably move to another country again. Maybe back to the UK, maybe to Switzerland, maybe to France, maybe to Hong Kong, maybe to God knows where. I don't know where I'm going to live. Oh, Sri Lanka, maybe. Um, for people who know me, they know that's uh, actually a point where I've got connections with People who don't move, that seems very weird. Huh? Sri Lanka? But no. Move country. If you get the chance, move country. It's brilliant. I've, I've met people who've lived in the same house from the day they were born to the day they die. And you think, really? Really? Is that what you're going to do? It's not, not disrespectful to them, but seriously, there's so much. The world is huge. There are so many different countries. I... I don't know exactly how many countries there are on the planet. I'm not going to go ahead and try and guess. But there are so many options out there. The world is your oyster, quite literally. If you can do it, do it for a job, for school, for education. School education, same thing. But even following a loved one, if they say, I want to go live in the middle of Australia in Sydney. In the middle of Australia, if you want to go live in Sydney, do it. Because no matter where you move, there are opportunities for you there. I mean, I'm studying musical, so I'm quite closed up. But even if you say... Oh, well, I want to be a florist. You can be a florist anywhere in the world. Maybe not in the highest, hottest part of the Sahara Desert. But there are other options. Take it, grasp life by the bollocks and hang on. Because it is so fun. I cannot explain to you the last year and a half of my life how fantastically, weird, horrifically, horribly, wonderfully fantastically, beautifully, bloody, insanely, Christ, heavenly, wonderfully, different it is. It's, in the last year and a half, in the last year and a half, I have learned more than I have in 17 years of my life. I'm 20 now. So actually, though, it should be 18 years, but I've learned so much in the last year and a half about myself. It's amazing. Um, of course, these can all go into other episodes, but just the simplest thing of my habits of waking up in the morning to loving someone, to meeting new people, to my worth I kick, to just everything, your approach to life. If you can do it, move country. And I mean, one thing I want to say is I am going to draw this uh, podcast to a close because I'm just hitting 43 and a half minutes. Leave a comment. Seriously, send me comments. I really, really want to hear from you. I want to know what you think. I mean, I'm going to put in, putting this on SoundCloud originally, then on my website, and then on my Facebook. 
And then, of course, eventually my idea is I might try live streaming my podcast and then, of course, uploading them later. But that's one thing that I'd love to do because then I can have people ask me questions at the same time, calling me up or whatever. I really... I really want to do something like that because I can honestly just give my opinions. Of course, I'm not dictating to you how life should be. I'm not a fount of information. Honestly, I do not know that much about life, but I can give you my opinion. Of course, there are people who couldn't give a shite less about my opinion, but there are people that would honestly value it. I'm sure... I know I would have loved to have these kind of podcasts when I was a bit younger, just to, to find out what people think. It's always brilliant to find someone else's opinion, of course, to battle it. Not in a negative way, but just to battle that opinion. Just to say, I agree with what you're saying, but what if? That is the magical thing. You learn that a lot in drama. What if? Just the simplest thing of, we did a scene today in our project of, we all do this one thing and we're all so used to be doing this for the last four weeks. But what if she walks in and instead of her being angry, she's happy? The dynamic of things changes so much and I love that. I love to be questioned. Actually, well, I don't like to be questioned if I know I'm actually not right. But if I'm right, I will argue. I really like arguing. But question everything. That's what you're taught to do from a baby. Question life. Just don't stick to that status quo. I'm not going to start singing High School Musical here. But seriously, just do it. Take every opportunity that's put in front of you. If it's from the simplest thing of... Crossing through the other side of the road so you can walk alongside the park as opposed to the other side of the road so you've got all these park cars between you. To moving country, to deciding to give up in your entire life, to move to Sri Lanka, to help build an elephant sanctuary for the rest of your life. Different, but interesting. And on that note, on the what if note, I'm just going to say thank you for listening. If you have made it the whole 45 minutes and, well, 46 minutes by the time I stop speaking, probably 47 actually, I'm going to stop. Um, but seriously, comment, let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to hear on future episodes. Um, I've now been talking for 47 minutes straight. My mouth is so unbelievably dry. Next time I do this, I'm going to put a glass of water in front of me because it's insane. You have no idea. But seriously... Let me know what you think. Like my page, like my Facebook, whatever. And honestly, tell me what you want to hear. Um, of course. And also tell me if you actually would like to do something. Not do something with me. That sounds very creepy. If you would like to do an interview with me or something. Or that I can always do live or whatever. But seriously, thank you for listening. Um, I hope this was considerably better than the last podcast. But anyway. Thank you for listening. I'm Will Oliver. Um, hopefully by the time that I get to about episode 457 that I have found a name for this. But thank you for listening. Uh, my name is Will Oliver. It's Thursday the 26th of February. It's now quarter past eight in the evening, so I'm going to eat. But thank you for listening. And until next time. <laughs>